For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, and welcome back to the Tomahawk Tate Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan. Hello, hello. And Fred. Hi there. And guys, we are about to head out west, or we are not. The Braves are going to head out west for a very big road trip of the year, which we'll talk about more later, but first we're going to catch up on this homestand that we just went through, talk about the fifth starter spot, uh, as well as possibly some Freddie Freeman extension talk. But let's start with this recent homestand for the Braves. They won the first two series against the Nationals and the Marlins, but then got swept, essentially, uh, in a two-game series with the Rockies, with the third game being postponed. Perhaps we'll get made up at the end of the season if needed. So they end up going four and four on the homestand, which is not great. Um, it's not what you want to see. I mean, really, even if the Braves just win one of those Rockies games, which both of them are one run losses, um, you know, it looks a whole lot better going five and three on the homestand. You got, you know, at least a four and a half game lead on the Phillies, but Allen not able to get it done, you know, couldn't sweep one of those first two series. I think that would have been huge. The Rockies are playing pretty good baseball right now, so you knew that would be a tough one, but still not able to win one of those games, so you just go 500 at home. I mean, the this, this team's outside of that really good stretch at the end of July into early August has really just been frustrating all year. Uh, honestly, a, a 500 team all around, which is understandable with the injuries they sustained, but I thought it was a pretty disappointing homestand just looking at what the Braves did. We'll talk about later about what the rest of the NL East did, but as far as the Braves themselves, this was a disappointing homestand in my book. Yeah, you could look at it uh, as the fact that when you're facing the Marlins, facing the Nationals, these are teams that win more than a third of their games normally, and the Braves don't win two-thirds of their games. So winning two out of three against them, that that's essentially a par score if you're playing golf. Uh, it's it's nothing special. It's it's not great, but it is at least par. And that they knocked you know some more days off the calendar that the Phillies can't catch you. Uh, up with and and that that was good. Um, honestly, I haven't figured out the Rockies. <laughs> they're like world beaters at home, and in a way, they uh, had been terrible. But then all of a sudden, they've uh, stepped up lately and decided to start winning games on the road too. And you know, the Phillies were the first to see their their wrath, and I think they lost three out of four to the Rockies in Philadelphia. So now the Braves go zero two there. So if you look at it. That way, it, it, it's sort of like a balance. You didn't really lose any ground because you did just as bad <laughs> as the Phillies did. And you, again, you're taking more days off the calendar. I think the Phillies have to go something like, 
I don't know, 13 and five or, or something like that to, to catch Atlanta at this point. If, if the Braves, uh, finish out as with a 500 record or something on that order. So Philadelphia still has to do a heck of a lot of work, even three games, three and a half games down, whatever they end up with, uh, tonight depends on their, uh, their, their game with the, the Cubs. It's still in progress, but it's, it's not great. You're right, but it's not the end of the world either. Uh, the, the problem that I see overall is the fact that you've still got a Braves team that is not really congealing as a playoff contending looking team. They're probably the class of the East, sure, but are they going to be um, competitive against these other playoff teams? Not really looking like that right now. Yeah, Fred, I think the Rockies are just begging to get out of the NL West where they have some pretty stiff competition. I mean, I mean I'm not saying they would win the NL East, but you look at what they've done against the NL East here lately and perhaps they they would have had a better season not, had they not been stuck in that NL West, but still just say keep waiting for the Braves to kind of just put their foot on the pedal and, you know, make up some room, which they actually did on the homestand despite going forward and forth. Still, I'm just looking for better play from this team on a more consistent basis. And like I said, outside of that really good run they had in early August, it's kind of just been more of the same. Yeah. The, the problem with the Braves is that 2018, 2019, when you got to the seventh inning, if you didn't have the Bra- your foot on the Braves' neck, you were beat because the Braves were going to come back in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. They were going to put runs on the board, and they were going to beat you. That's just just the way it was, was in 18 and 19. And that's not the way it is this year. The, the Braves are just horrible late and close. In fact, they're 11th of the 15 teams in the National League in late and close situations, hitting 211, 301, 371 in late and close situations. That showed up last night, and it showed up the night before. We had people on the basis, and we didn't do anything with it. And if the Braves don't hit a home run, they've got something like a 25%, 26% chance of winning if they don't have a home run. That's not good. That wasn't the case in 2018, 2019, even though we hit a lot of home runs. And, and the, the pitching, the pitching has to, has to stand up for that. But, you know, this homestand, the pitching's been good. Uh, last night, the bullpen was stellar. Even Newcomb came in and gave innings. Luke came in and, and did his Luke Jackson magic man trick. Even Smith came in and looked like he was a closer for a change. So the bullpen's been good. And the lineup let him down. And early in the year, when the bullpen was bad, the lineup was bad too. And I just don't, think that gets better. I think we have to ride luck and hope we run into pitchers with bad days so those home run bats can get in gear because otherwise we got a problem. Yeah, you speak to the fact that, you know, they're just not getting it done late in games. And, Alan, I wrote about this on Thursday. The Braves have 28 one-run losses this year. That's second most to the Mets, who I think have 31. You know, they've also played a 51 one-run games. That's a lot of one-run games. Most teams that I looked at had around 41-run games on the year, and I think that just speaks to the frustration. I said the other night in our group chat, you know, I just I hate this team just because they're so frustrating. I don't hate the players. I love the players on this team, but they just all of their all of their games seem so frustrating, like that where they're just so close and can't get that big hit. And you know, like Fred talked about, maybe we just became too accustomed to that over the last couple of years, but. I think there's more to it as well when you look at this Braves team, Alan, and why they're just so bad and struggling so much in these close close games like that. 
Well, you've got a couple streaky guys in the lineup for sure. Uh, Ozzy Albies uh, has been hot and cold and hot at various times. Uh, Dansby Swanson, I swear, is to go in the exact opposite. Uh, <laughs> if one of them's hot, the other's not. And that's the, the situation right now is that Dansby's gone totally cold. And uh, certainly he was in a position to drive some key runs in late in some of these games. The The fact that they have so many one-run games is indicative of really a couple of things. Number one is the fact that the offense is not gaining separation from their opponents. Second is that the bullpen is often giving up runs that in, in close games to to make tie games or leads go in the negative column for you. And we, we've seen that several times this year. So you look at the... Things like uh, the run differential, and, and right now the Braves are at plus 98, and I, I still think that that's such a misleading stat to have thrown out there. Yes, by and large, the better teams have uh, positive run differentials. That's true. But if you have a lot of one-run games on your ledger and you don't have a good bullpen, then that that number's going to uh, look a lot better than I think it really uh, should and that that's certainly been the case with the Braves. The flip side would be a team like uh, say the Seattle Mariners, who are still ten games above five hundred as we're recording this, and yet their run differential is a negative sixty five. Why is that so? Because they got a great bullpen. If you get a close game, they're going to keep it a close game, and that yeah, they may get blown out sometimes, but uh, that doesn't mean that. The one-run games are a problem for them. They're, in their case, the one-run games are a positive thing and and part of their secret for success. That's not the case for the Braves. We're, we've got two causes for it. It's the lack of uh, hitting late games that uh, suddenly has cropped up this year and lack of uh, bullpen sometimes holding leads. Well, let's look at the, the bright side of things here because the Braves will, you know, despite the four and four homestand, they'll most likely go out west with a three game lead. It looks like the Phillies are going to win on Thursday night. Fred, the, the bright side here, the good news here is the Braves biggest competition, the Phillies and Mets can't seem to get out of their own way and they're allowing the Braves to lead this division right now. Yeah. And the Mets just, they just keep tripping over themselves. And this weekend, the Phillies played the Mets which should be funny if nothing else. Is anybody uh, going to win? <laughs> I I think it could go 28 innings, uh, 14 to 14. I, I don't, I, you know, either that or nothing to nothing. The, the Phillies bullpen is, is bad. Even after they added Ian Kennedy, who's given up a home run every time he looks at it, it looks like he belongs to the Braves doing that. He gives up home runs in the ninth inning. And, and to Jake's point on those, those 28 one run games, six of those are blown, blown saves by, by Smith, who gave up, gave up the lead run enough to put us, out of the game in the so when you that's six games that would have put us in the comfort zone now even three of those games would have put us in a really really good position now i think the the east is such a mess we expected two two and a half teams to be in a real fight all the way to the end and that fight turns out to be who can get over 500 before the end of the season and claim a place in the postseason instead of who can win 96 games. The Phillies, I feel bad for Joe Girard. They're not good defensively. They've they've had a half a dozen center fielders. Maybe Kutch has been hurt. They lost Hoskins. Their pitching's been bad. Their defense has been bad. And yet, 
Bryce Harper's got him on his back, and he's struggling to get him to the finish line because the Braves haven't taken their chances, and the Mets can't just get out of the way. I don't know. I've seen some bad divisions in the past. I thought the, the Central was going to be bad this year, but it turns out, yeah, it's the East that's not very good. They're, the Central's looking like a better division this year because they have a couple of teams who can who can actually play ball on both sides of the ball. So it, it's been bad, and it's going to be a question of, Maybe we can get in and flip a switch and do something. But first, we've got to go out west and play 500 ball. And I'm not sure the odds are good on it. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to go next, Alan. So the Braves hit the road for a 10-game series, kind of an 11-game series. You're going to finish that one game with the Padres. So three against the, the Giants, four against the Diamondbacks, and then essentially four against the Padres as well. And like Fred said, they really just need to go five or, or 500 on this road trip, which I know is hard to do with 11 games, but... Uh, you know, they really just gotta <laughs> to play, you know, mediocre baseball, what they've done all year, and I think they'll be in fine shape, but I'm kinda with Fred. I'm I don't I don't feel good about the chances of, of that happening, especially how their last West Coast trip went. Yeah, and the Arizona Diamondbacks had uh our number early in spring when uh, they rolled through Atlanta. But yeah, it, it it didn't go well. Uh I'm hoping that this time around Arizona is sort of now uh, on its own little tailspin, trying to out Baltimore, Baltimore for the first uh, draft pick. Right now, they're sort of in a neck and neck race for that, and they've lost eight out of their last ten. So, those games should be winnable for the Braves. Yes, they played a little better at home than they have on the road, but those games should be winnable. We'll find out. Meanwhile, the Giants have won eight out of ten. Padres are floundering. It's hard to figure them out. But, yes, we start with a game that's in progress in which the Braves are already one run behind. So we're going to have to start off with a mindset of this is the end of the game. We need to do something quick. And and that's that's an unusual situation for any team to be in, really. I'm, I'm just hoping that they're ready to play the instant they uh, show up, uh, play the anthem there in that uh that makeup game in San Diego. I think I'm a little more optimistic of 500 plus or minus five and six, six and five, simply because I think the the Padres and Diamondbacks are in fact beatable here. I think it's going to come down to performance of bullpen, the bats coming back a little bit, something happening with our fourth and fifth starters that we haven't been seeing lately, which is getting a little deeper into games, fifth and sixth innings. If that happens, then, uh, they're golden. They're they're in good shape. If that doesn't happen, then well, maybe a four and seven. I don't know, something like that. Again, it won't be the end of the world if that happens either. But we don't really want to give Philadelphia hope, and that's the real message here: is that if uh, the Phillies end up thinking they've got a shot, series against them in the last week of the season really does become meaningful. And I think it will, because like you said, I think the Braves go, you know, at best five and six on this road trip. And after the Phillies weekend series with the Mets, they got three with Baltimore and four with Pittsburgh heading into that series with Atlanta. Fred, I think it's likely the Braves have a one, two game lead in the division going into that series, making that division 
uh, or making that series possibly for the division. Yeah, I I'd like to be as confident as Al, but the Diamondbacks scored a bunch of runs. It was their bullpen that let them down, and they they were playing the Padres and, and, and teams like the Giants. I don't think the Diamondbacks are a pushover. Now, I know that they're not playing very well, and they are looking for that first draft pick, but the point of it is that these guys are major league ball players, and they're out there looking for a job, and this is not going to be easy because they're free and loose. What's the worst that can happen? They can lose, and that's what they're expected to do. So if they go out and play well, this can be really tough for them in Arizona. Braves haven't played well on the West Coast since, what, 2003? This whole trip feels like could be a bad bad thing all the way around. If they get off to a bad start in San Francisco, it could go downhill really fast. On the other hand, if they hold their home against the Giants and get a game error and they pick up a couple in, in San Diego, then we'll probably be all right. But I'm not sure that happens. Good thing, good news from my side of this is that uh, we didn't play today and Ian Anderson uh, gets to start tomorrow and we, we have our best starters lined up. We're not looking for the number five starter to come up and do something good. And uh, that's a good thing because he hasn't lately. So I just think there's mixed in this. I'd like to be rah, rah, rah. just don't feel like it's a big cheer right now. Yeah, you touched on the fifth starter spot. I wanted to, to bring that up because uh, really the fifth and, and the fourth a little bit. I think you know has uh, you know, been okay. But Tukey especially now, you know, three straight, straight starts, not getting through the fifth inning. Allen, and obviously they, they don't have to use a fifth starter in that giant series now because of the rain out on Thursday, but do you think it's time for somebody else to get a shot in that fifth spot? I mean, certainly don't want to go back to Smiley. Um, I don't think Tukey's getting it done. I really think your only options are either Kyle Muller or Kyle Wright, and you know, most likely we'd rather go with Muller at that point, but uh, I mean, are you, are you kind of over Tukey in that fifth spot like I am? Yeah, I, I I had hopes earlier in the season that uh, maybe he had turned the corner and was really starting to do something good. Now, I'm going to hold off judgment a little bit in that maybe this has something to do with innings fatigue and or something like that you know, in this weird year that, that came after another weird year. So I, I wouldn't put him out to pasture. I wouldn't trade him. I, I'd give another shot next spring. But for right now, on a team that's expected to make the playoffs and has aspirations to do well in the playoffs, he's not a playoff pitcher. And that's the case for Udo as well. I would certainly keep them as options for the bullpen or maybe long relief or something like that. Sure. But your, your other half of the question was, if not them, then who? Yeah, I would give Kyle Muller another shot. But the premise of your question really is that where are the these arms coming from? And the Braves don't really have that kind of breadth or depth in the rotation beyond the, the first three. And because of that, that's, that's going to make it difficult uh, here down the stretch unless you Use your guys judiciously. You try and, and play matchups. You know things like uh, going the biggest big three against the Giants. Yeah, great. Maybe that lines you up a little bit better for the the Padres and Diamondbacks. I hope. But yeah, you're still flipping coins to see which pitcher shows up and how far he can go. Uh, I would almost prefer to see them piggyback one guy off another. You know, do three innings for Tukey, three innings for Yadoa, that kind of a thing. That still leaves you short, though. Uh, still leaves you short a starter and short in innings. And maybe I have to do that again with maybe Smiley and Muller or something like that. I'm uh, pulling these things out of the thin air here, but uh, it's a real problem. 
and that that's the bottom line is that you've you've got three, you don't really have two more, and it's just a matter of just trying to figure out which guy you think is going to be the best on a given day, and I don't know that I I like any of the options right now. Yeah, the Braves only have one more off day, the Monday after uh, that West Coast trip. So the twenty seventh. Yeah, the, any any possibilities of going four man rotation the West rest of the way, Fred? I don't think is going to work out. So they're going to have to try to figure out what to do with that fifth starter. The pitchers today aren't. I mean, they're not ready to go on into a four man rotation. I think you've got to bring Mueller up simply because he throws hard, and they haven't seen a lot of him in a way for at least the first three or four innings. I cringe at the idea of, of Smiley trying to go more than an inning against anybody, particularly against Padres or Giants. But the thing is, you've got to win to get there. And once you get there, then you can say, okay, now how do I do this? But uh, Leo DeRosier said, let me win today. I'll figure out tomorrow tomorrow. So let's go out and do this. But I, I think the off day today helps because it pushes them back. And it gives us a chance to have better games against the, against the Giants. I guess Mueller's the guy, if I'm going to bring a guy up to do that. I just really don't know what they're thinking. And I I have a feeling that it's much the same discussion in the back room. And they look around and say, well, uh, who do we try this time? And I, I don't think it's Kyle Wright. I don't think they believe in him anymore. It, it, that sort of dumps it all on Mueller. Uh, we hope that we can... We can use Mueller, and we can get him through four and a half innings or, you know, four and two-thirds innings, and then we can bring in a bullpen and do something with it because I don't think there's anybody else out there to do that job. I really don't. I love Tukey. I, I love that curveball that he's got. I, when he's throwing that thing and he's got, he believes in himself, he's good, but he just he hasn't shown that outside of playing against bad teams. And you know, I'm I'm sorry, Alan. I'd trade in this winter if somebody wanted to give me something for him. <laughs> I I I you know, Tookie and Wright and Newcomb uh, need a new place to play because they're not doing it for us. And we've had them long enough to know that they're not doing anything for us. And you, you've got to get some room in there, and you got to give them a chance to actually fix themselves. I hope they go away and have great great careers because I like all the guys. I, they've all got the stuff. I just think they need a new voice. To need a new home, uh, and maybe we can get something for them that we're going to need next year. And you can hear the angst in our voices. I mean, it's it's like we're hand wringing in our speeches here. We we have no idea how they're going to do this because we don't trust these guys, and we're pretty sure the coaches don't trust them either. And that's that's the unfortunate part of all this. Yeah, you heard a, a Snickers press conference after Tuggy's start before last where he just you know basically said he can't throw strikes and when he's not throwing strikes he's not good and you can just kind of hear his frustration and his voice like you're hearing ours now I mean it's just the unfortunate spot where the Braves are right now Speaking of the offseason, you talk about trading some of these guys. Everybody's favorite topic right now is, is Freddie Freeman, and I want to to end on this. Alan, I'll, I'll go to you first because it's a, it's a question that 
shouldn't be here, but it's still here. And we've seen a lot of extensions get done for the Braves. And yet here we are three weeks left in the season and Freddie Freeman still isn't locked up. What is your level of concern? I think mine has gone up and down all year, but with the Braves possibly not re-signing Freddie Freeman. Boy, the my angst continues to rise daily because of what I'm hearing in the industry, uh, MLB Network Radio, MLB Network TV, where I'm hearing guys almost start salivating over the idea of, well, we could go out and sign Freddie Freeman and, and solve our first base problem. There's a lot of teams that are in that ballpark. There are a lot of teams that are have that need. And if the Braves don't get going here real soon, Freddie's agent certainly knows this too. And he's telling his client, hey, you know, it's not the end of the world if you don't end up with the same team for your entire career. Uh, you might end up getting a whole lifetime of security in a team that really cares about you or whatever he's, he's telling him. It is a possibility. And I think it's a lot more a possibility than Braves fans want to admit. I think that we're we're getting down to it. I was speculating that uh, the Braves would like to do an announcement of an extension on an off day, and they only got one off day left. That's the 27th. If that date comes and passes, then I think you're done negotiating because you're going to be setting up for the playoffs, getting ready for the playoffs. You don't want to uh, have this kind of a distraction at, at that point, and really you're almost at that you don't want a distraction point now, but they still do have a few more days left where they, like today, where they didn't have a game, where you could be having some discussions. And if that comes to fruition, that's great. But if you get to pass the 27th, I think there's a real serious possibility that uh, he goes to free agency and then it's the Braves against the world and the world's got more money. Yeah, if he goes to the open market, I think he's gone. Uh, if the Braves don't negotiate now or between or in that five day window after the regular season, I, I tend to believe Freddie Which I think won't come back. Me- and that five days, I think, is almost meaningless, frankly. I, I can't think of anybody who's ever signed during that, that period of time who would have been a free agent otherwise. Yeah. So my, you know, my feelings on this, like I said, have gone up and down. You know, I thought they'd get it done during spring training, felt very confident then when they didn't. And then there are rumors about Freddie possibly selling his house in Atlanta and all of that. I was started getting really worried. But then around the all-star break, you know, Freddie restated that he wanted to be a Braves. That's where he wanted to be. His house isn't for sale. And I'm like, okay, good. They're going to get it done. And now here we are again, less than three weeks away from the end of the season and it's still not done. And now my anxiety level is back up high, Fred, because I just, I really worry that they're not going to bring Freddie Freeman back. Well, here's the thing. I, if you read Chipper's book, he talks about the big extension he got when he got the $90 million six year, whatever it was. And they're not negotiating with Freddie. Freddie has told his agent, I want this much. If they get to that number, I'll sign. And they're not at that number. I don't know why they aren't at that number. I can't imagine Freddie asking for stupid money. He's going to get rich anyway. And uh, I put something out there which come out where he would get a couple of really good years and taper off and we would we'd be able to maybe even defer some money if that was the issue. And somebody said, well, yeah, he's not that good. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk about how he's not that good. Let's talk about the Giants with a big, big payroll and this year and all of it going away. And they're, they, you know, the, the Padres are trying to dump Hosmer 
and dump that money. I don't know if they can take on another huge contract, but I'll bet you they'd find a way. Uh, and then the Angels, who really need a first baseman and really need somebody to lead them. And then, of course, there's the Yankees, who don't have a first baseman and have that real short porch in right field. And I think he's told them what he wants, and they're not there. And if they don't get there, he's not going to sign. He's told them what he wants, whether it's years or dollars or whatever it is. He's told his agent, this is what I want. If they get there, we're fine. If they don't, I'll look elsewhere. I just don't understand this. We were ready to jump out and give Travis Darno another year, and he's not making any money. I'm not complaining about the Darno contract. So, you know, that's all right. I don't mind the, the Morton signing because it gives us stability. But if you can do that, why can't you do this? I think if this gets past the World Series, you're going to have a lot of teams with big checkbooks knocking on his door. And it's going to be hard at that point in time to get it done. I can't believe they're sitting on a deal that they haven't announced. That bothers me. The fact that they could have a deal and don't, and they have to know what his dollar is. They have to. They also have to know the league's going to match that money. The rationale is beyond my comprehension. I don't understand. I have as much angst as Jake does over this, uh, and every day it makes it worse. Yeah, I just really think if he goes to free agency, the Angels got that pull holes money coming off the books, and they're going to be anxious to, to throw it at somebody. I think they just unload uh, the truck at Freddie Freeman's door and say, come home, play with Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. We'll figure out the pitching, uh, which they won't, but – um, I just feel like that's that's what's going to happen right now. So, yeah, I'm getting really worried about it. I do hope Freddie stays a Brave for the rest of his career. But as each passing day goes by and it doesn't happen, uh, the more and more I think it won't happen, which is going to yeah. be pretty sad. Yeah, well, Tim Dirk said today in, in his insider email, but the, he said when asked what was Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, when they get traded this year, he thought, well, I, said, well, I think the Braves might sign Matt Olson. That means he thinks Freddie's going somewhere else. Yeah, well, well, let's let's try not to end it on that thread. You got any good news or anything else you want to share before we get out? I'm afraid I don't have any good news. Well, you know, uh, we got Martin back from from Gwinnett. Maybe, oh, he's, fixed the... Maybe he's fixed. <laughs> Luke is going to be a daddy today. Congratulations, Luke. Glad uh, you know. Congratulations on being that being a daddy. And and now that you've seen the kid, let's jump on that airplane and get to San Francisco because I don't want to go to this West Coast trip without Luke Jackson. Yeah, for sure. Alan, anything you got? Well, I thought the Cubs were going to come back against Philadelphia, but now it's 15 to 8, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've got anything there either. (laughs) Now, this is all still water under the bridge. We've got a couple weeks to go. We've got some games to go. We've got some some teams that – Fighting for playoff spots. Baseball is really good right now, although I'm not so sure that the teams fighting for playoff spots are actually fighting for the playoff spots. The 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 Braves though are in good position. They need to get themselves sorted out and figured out. If they can do that, then then they'll be able to to finish strong. And they just got to get going now. And hopefully today's day off will give them a nice relaxing trip to the West Coast, and we'll see how it goes from there. How's yeah, that? I, yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, okay. the Braves, after all, the Braves do have a three-game lead, which is, um, you know, pretty solid going, you know, into the last couple of weeks of the year, uh, but definitely still a lot of work to do. But we'll have to see how they do on this West Coast trip. It's going to tell a lot 
when they come back home for three with the Phillies and three with the Mets. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Tomahawk Take FS. Make sure you check out the website to Tomahawk Take dot com where we post daily articles but like i said that'll wrap it up for this episode i will talk to you next week this hand-wringing fear-mongering and concern trolling edition of the tomahawk take podcast is a production of tomahawktake.com and fansided llc a subsidiary of minute media inc Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, and while Minute Media allows us to sign all the talent we can use, we've just chosen not to do so because at this point they wouldn't be playoff eligible anyway. Hopefully the Braves will be. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Comic Plotting, which was modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other musical selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today as we remind you that one loss in this sport doesn't disqualify you from the postseason playoff picture like other sports do. Huh, got all that in one take. That's a new one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.